Hey folks, if you've been tuning in over the last couple of months, you've heard all about the GameTime app and how it can save you some serious cash on last-minute tickets to sports, concerts, all types of shows. When you've found the sporting event, concert, or show you want to attend, just use GameTime's quick and easy two-step checkout system to purchase your tickets. Well, now GameTime is hooking you up for the holidays with $10 credit. Here's what to do. Download the GameTime app in the Google Play or App Store. Click on the My Tickets section of the app. Create an account. Then under the Billing section, redeem code THEATHLETIC. That's all one word, THEATHLETIC, for $10 off on your first purchase. That's free money, people. Credit is only available to the first 1,000 people who redeem the code, and it expires at the end of the year. That's December 31st. So make moves quick and score last-minute tickets. Seven fifty-five is real with David O'Brien and Eric O'Flaherty. Happy New Year! Welcome to Seven Fifty-Five is Real. I'm David O'Brien, Braves writer for the Athletic, and with Eric O'Flaherty as usual out in uh, Seattle, where it's probably cold and rainy and drizzly. What's up, Eric? Oh man, I nothing. I woke up at three a.m. stuck to a leather couch this morning. I don't. I don't feel so hot right now, but. <laughs> I'm ready to bang Do this thing out. Do we need to know the details of this, or is this something you could say on the air? <laughs> uh, not, my house flooded, so we're just sleeping all over the place, ah, trying to uh, nice, yeah, trying to work it out. I've been sleeping nice. much on the flooded couch. House. But, yeah, it's awesome. It's a good, uh, good mix in for the. We already had a busy month. We had two kids' birthdays, anniversary, and then Christmas, and all this other shit going on. Our house flooded too, so it's. I thought your lakeside estate was kind of up the hill from the lake, from it, your private lake. It, it came down. We had a pipe break, so and we just ah. we had just moved back down in there. Um, all our bedrooms wow. are in the basement, and we just moved back down in there uh, from a from my neighbor had a pipe break in his house a year before. So we just gotten it all fixed up and remodeled, and two nights in. Um, Jesus! I go to bed at like Merry ten o'clock. <laughs> it's awesome. So much fun. I went to bed <laughs> Happy at like New Year. <laughs> yeah. I go to bed at 10, and I wake up to my wife screaming at midnight. I jump out of bed to see what's going on. I land in a puddle. <laughs> so, yeah, it's been a fun month. I feel great. And you thought, did I, did I pee myself? Jesus. <laughs> yeah. All right, here we go. What, has, what was going on? New year, new decade is upon us. And we want to thank, we are happy new year to all you people, you good folks who listen to this podcast. There are a lot of you, and we really do appreciate it. Um, believe it or not. Eric, it is just six weeks and one day remaining until Braves pitchers and catchers report to spring training. Man. I know a lot of fans will say, "God, it seems like forever," but no, man, it when you're kind of when you play or when you cover a team, it, it goes, does, so it goes fast. by fast, man. It goes and the offseason so goes by faster every year, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. It really does. Especially you know once if you got stuff going on when you're you know when you're 21, 22, and you're just kind of chilling. It it, it kind of takes a while. You're just home hanging out with your buddies yeah. and stuff. Once you have a family, man, it's gone in like it feels like three <laughs> weeks, and you're back at spring training again. It just turns into a blur. Seven weeks from today, February 18th, the Braves will go through their first full squad workout at their new spring training home in Northport on the Gulf Coast. Oh, they're in there this Florida. year and. They moving in, man. Oh, nice. I, for once, I don't have the dread of going to Orlando and the traffic <laughs> nightmare and all the crappy ch- chain restaurants around Disney and all the mediocre uh, hotels. 
I'm looking forward to going to the new place, man. Plus the facilities at this new place, the bought the players. Yeah. They're going to be ecstatic when they see the upgrade they've got. I mean, the fans, they saw the stadium at Orlando, which was perfectly fine. I mean, it was still a fine. The stadium itself was fine. It's all the secondary stuff, all the stuff the, the players use. Yeah, it's a dump. The training facilities were second tier, man, third tier at this point. Every new stadium had much better ones, and now the Braves could shoot to the top again because their new place has the best of everything, from dining rooms and training rooms to workout facilities uh, you know, mini fields and workout fields. Everything is going to be first rate. And you're not going to have the traffic anymore either to negotiate. So there's uh, going to be a lot of pluses to that it. That traffic's the best part. Uh, I went through that facility change with Oakland, though, and it was awesome. My first year there, we were in the old stadium, and uh, the weight room was like the size of a closet, right? So you'd have – yeah. And, and you know, now in baseball, <laughs> they're making you work out. So you'd have 60 guys trying to get their workouts yeah. in it. You know, either 7 a.m. Or, or noon after you got off the fields. Yeah. It's just a nightmare. And then we moved into the new stadium, and it was just, you know, I felt like moving into a five star hotel or something, how nice the facilities they're yeah. making are. Uh, it's a game changer for sure. So these guys are going to be fired up, but I think the traffic's going to be the best part. They'll be closer oh, to everybody, right? Is it, is it way farther south? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Instead of having to take at uh, at Disney they had one team the Tigers that were within an hour the Yankees were within an hour if you timed it right but there's almost never not traffic in right. Tampa I mean so usually that, that could be two hours coming back and you always had those trips even if it was easy getting there like Yankees you know going in the afternoon coming back the team would be caught in rush hour traffic there and coming back from Clearwater and coming back from Dunedin coming back you know everywhere it was a nightmare, and now they're going to have – they go from having one team within an hour to having literally seven teams within an hour of them on the southwest coast. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, so there's not going to be any more of those two, three-hour trips. The only one will be when they go up to do the, the Tigers a favor. Everybody still has to go up to Lakeland and play the Tigers, or most people will. Uh, and when they go across the state over to play – for one trip over to uh, play the uh, uh, the uh, Cardinals. The Tigers are and still the up there. Car- Cardinals and the uh, – uh, Nats oh, yeah, over yeah. in West Palm. Astros, Astros over there, West too. Palm. That'll be nicer for yeah, fans, too, man. There, so. The fans won't have to so Jupiter, travel yeah, as much. Oh, man. You can go see the team the and fans maybe will now drive be an able, hour. Yeah, they'll be able to get situated down, you know, Venice, Stay in uh, one Naples, place the whole somewhere time. down Port Charlotte. Yeah, and drive to all the different games. Yeah, that'd whereas, be good. Yeah, before you had to rent a car and drive three hours, you know, if you wanted to see <laughs> yeah. them, depending on, you know, yeah. So, yeah, it's going to be good. Uh, yeah, you were talking about facilities. How about at Disney? Fans, of course, would have never seen this, but there was a hallway next to the weight room. The Braves literally had <laughs> bice, uh, uh, training bikes and, and that kind of thing, and a, like a hanging the thing where you do pull-ups and stuff in the hallway yeah. Yeah, where no we space. could see it when we walked by. <laughs> That's how cramped their uh, their workout room was. No, that was even, you know, I was with Seattle when I came up and and even in 2006, 2007 there, their weight room was five times the size of what the Braves had to work with. They were still using that facility last year. That's wild. Still Um, were. I think the hardest part is that everybody works out now. It's not a thing, you know, like guys used to come into spring training and and use spring training to get in shape. They'd they'd be hunting or just hanging out with their family for (laughs) Three four months and then and come into camp. That's yeah. the first time they started moving in three months. Guys come into camp now and they're they're working out yeah, six days a week. It's totally different. Yeah. So you need the space now. Yeah, and they had you know when SunTrust Park when they moved from uh, Turner Field to SunTrust Park, they moved up to the top tier 
uh, as far as facilities, yeah. training rooms, workout rooms, huge weight room, and, and that kind of thing. All all the aerobic conditioning, all that. Uh, they have first rate at SunTrust, and now they're going to do the same thing with uh, their spring so spring training facilities. So, good. Um, that's good for, and that's good, man, for free agents, that kind of thing. I mean, people want to be able to 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 have good workout. It's important. People don't think it is, but it is. So, yeah, and the training room too. Age. You know, the the training rooms are, are three, four times the size now, and three, four times the staff. Yeah. You know, it used to be if you got if you pulled something, you just put ice and stim on it and just stuck you in a corner and you yeah. wait till you get better. Now they got you know they have the weight room, but they also have kind of like a rehab room too. And they'll have a yeah. couple rehab specialists. Guys are guys are doing all kinds of exercises, trying to get back faster and do everything the right way, working on mobility. Uh, there's just way more going on in that space, so. You just need more space and year round too. Year round, you just need more space. The Braves have a, you know, they have they have a a coach who is his job is to work as you know with rehabbing pitchers, just yeah. pitchers. Yep, full time job. So and you know and they've tried to and they've been able to to conduct that in those limited facilities down at Disney, and that's with all the other stuff going around at Disney too that going on at the same time, all the cheerleader camps and basketball tournaments <laughs> and all the nightmare. other stuff. Yeah, and now you're going to be, you know, getting in and out of the ballpark could be a nightmare for players and and coaches and everything. So, uh, you know, especially like a day game, just getting out of there could take 45 minutes sometimes. So now when they send a rehabbing pitcher or a rehabbing player down, it'll be to this place, and they're going to have incredible facilities to work at, to work out at as they try to get back, you know, back with the big club. So, yeah, it's going to be – Everything's better. Everything's going to be better, yeah. So – Eight weeks until they play their game because they play a game four days after the first full squad. February 22nd, they're going to be playing a game. God and damn. It feels fast. It, yeah. Yeah. At uh, It's going to be – but here we are entering this new year with eight, game, eight weeks to, to the first game. But there still remain – there remain some questions and particularly one huge question, and that's cleanup hitter. Specifically, are the Braves going to be able to re-sign Josh Donaldson? We've been talking about it for months now. Um, he's also being highly pursued by the Nats, the Twins. I think this decision is going to come soon. Uh, and if the Braves don't, could this be a mistake that they rue or one that they can fix now or later with a replacement who will give them what J.D. did, can and did last season? Um, stay tuned. That's all I can say. Uh, they got to sign this back. In a minute. I agree. We're going to get into this in a minute. Uh, but there's also some starting rotation and bench questions. But those kind of take a backseat in importance to a cleanup hitter because rotation depth and the bench are matters that the Braves can address as soon as, you know, this week or in some cases the latest spring training. Uh, we've seen Alex Anthopoulos do that in both of the spring trainings he's been with the team. He's been known to assess the talent he has on hand and wait to see about what becomes available before pulling off moves and getting – Guys at bargain rates that really end up being productive. Uh, he famously signed Annabelle Sanchez and also infielder Ryan Flaherty late, really late in 2018 spring training. And then last year, he added Josh Tomlin and Matt Joyce near the very end of camp. And both of those guys ended up being big contributors to the Braves winning their second consecutive uh, division title. So, um, you know there is there is a uh, there is a sound strategy there in that knowing there are going to be guys become available at the late in spring training yeah. and other teams see what they have. And they're not going into the season without a cleanup hitter. <laughs> no, no, no. That's <laughs> a different happening. matter altogether. It's, it's, 
No, that's a different matter. Yeah. He's going to fill his needs. It's it's just, you know, I think a lot of us have a preference of how, but yeah. the guy's going to get it done. You know, the team's going to be ready. Yeah. yeah, you don't spend the money they have to bo- no. to boost the bullpen no. and and get guys signed to these bargain contracts like Acuna and yeah. Albies and free up money, you know, and have Freddie in his last two years of his current deal, you know, and at the peak of his career. You don't do all that and win two in a row, two division titles in a row after the rebuild to take a step back by not having a cleanup hitter because you wanted to save, you know, $5 million a year, $10 million <laughs> yeah. a year. Yeah, you just, that would be not be very good They're business sense. Since they've uh, increased the uh, attendance each year at SunTrust, the battery's thumping now. It's bringing in money. There's no reason not to not to fill those needs, and I'm sure that he's going to. So, um, before we dive into some predictions for the rest of the winter and, and the 2020 season, I wanted to ask you about a couple of things. And you you alluded to a couple of them while ago. You referenced a couple of those things, and that is the off season. It, we're in pretty much what is a, a dead week in baseball between Christmas and New Year's. You know, a couple of teams have made moves, but for the most part, nothing happens right now. But this is a time of the year, I think, when players start to really think about spring training and getting ready. Uh, does that vary from player to player? And has that changed over the years? You alluded to this a while ago. Oh, just yeah. in, in the time that since you entered the game until now, as far as what players are doing at this time of the year. Oh, it's it's completely changed. And it, yeah. it definitely varies from player to player. I mean, you'd have a guy like Chipper Jones or Adam LaRoche that they would just hunt. Yeah, that's how they got ready yeah. for the season. You Literally. know, they just checked out, took their mind off things, and they hunted. And they came to camp, yeah. and you know, they had their natural ability, and and they were smart. They knew how to take care of their body and and be ready on April first. They didn't care if they hit two hundred one in spring training. You know, they're just yeah. getting ready. Uh, you know, when I came into the game, there was probably, you know, you'd leave in the off season, and they'd hand you this this workout packet, right? And it was the same one. Uh-huh. For the first eight years of my career, it was just like, you know, three sets <laughs> of leg press. Yeah. No, it was just a, all. It was a don't get hurt packet. They just tell you, right, right. You know, you're gonna go into the weight room, and here's just some stuff you can do and not get hurt, and not be a bag of shit when you get to spring training. So, seven yeah. percent of the guys did that packet. You know, some guys hunted. Some guys, you know, some guys partied some all off season. Bag of shit, and plenty of guys showed up as bag of shits. But spring training so long, almost everybody right. was always ready. Now, right. you know, I would always pick up a ball early January. I worked out three, four, five days a week all off season. Uh, I pick up a uh-huh. ball early January and start getting my arm in shape. I throw my first bullpen, um, you know, like late January. I throw one or two bullpens before I got to spring training, and that was kind of doing a lot when I first started. Now you look at it now, some younger pitchers. These so guys a lot are, earlier. These right? guys are. I saw a video of a guy pulling a truck the other day. I don't, a Braves prospect. He was pulling a truck with a rope, you know, doing like a, some kind of exercise. Muller, I, I think his name's Muller. Oh big, yeah. He's a monster. dude. Um, it came that across six, six, six. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And these guys are throwing max effort bullpens in November. Um, I think it'll turn he, around. He's a driveline guy too. Yeah, and and I really like driveline, man. I really like a lot of yeah. the stuff they do, and and I think I think everybody's learning how to get the most out of their body now, which is it's a big reason why you see everybody throws ninety seven because guys yeah. aren't spending their off season hunting, right? Yeah, <laughs> and the standard's been set so high that it almost forces even guys that wouldn't yeah. be working out to do a little bit more, and just kind of raises the bar. But especially if you if you don't have a spot solidified, I mean, you better come to camp in shape. Well, yeah, I mean, there's just yeah, and you mentioned earlier to me, I don't know if we started recording yet, but you said that they only got like four workouts before games start. 
four full squad workouts. Last year was fewer than that. It was two or three last year. <laughs> Fewest in the baseball last year. Uh, they didn't that. have any guys competing for spots last year. They got, you know, maybe a couple more this year. But I think it's smart for Anthopoulos and, and, and Brian Snicker to agree and come up with this thing because – as we know, I think we can agree, and I don't know a single player who Nobody doesn't think spring with training is at say. least two weeks, two at least at two least weeks too two. long, right? I needed five games, and I think you know yeah. the, the only reason it's so long is is for money and starting pitchers. I think yeah. I think hitters Agreed. need two weeks. Uh, it's just it's getting starting pitchers stretched out, which you know the easy yep. answer would be, well, just br- come to camp ready. You know, you're gonna have you need to be ready right. to throw five innings when you get here, but. It's. I think it's also pretty lucrative. So that's that's kind of the benefit of keeping it at forty five days or whatever. But from a player standpoint, we're ready, man. We don't. Yeah. We could use two weeks, three weeks, and, and be ready to go. And it, it just drags on. It feels like it's never going to end. And you and it's every day. There's only one off day usually. So yeah, I was never yeah. a big it's, big fan of spring training. If I made a comeback, I'd try to sign in like June or something. <laughs> Especially nowadays, with like you said. 90% of the guys get in such condition in the offseason. They're, They're working out, yeah. you know, starting before Christmas now. And, you know, with things like driveline and all this and camps and guys pitching at the facility, at the at the ball, home ballpark and, uh, you know, under supervision and all that, you know, you don't need to come into camp and work like in the old days where guys sold insurance and then they come to spring <laughs> training and they, needed, yeah. and they needed a month to get into shape. Everybody's in yeah. shape pretty much when they show up that now. They're in – they're probably in better shape when they show up than they are at the end of spring training in some cases. <laughs> yeah, no, you the get, workouts they've been doing. Yeah, I, I used to joke about that. The spring training was you actually got out of shape now because <laughs> yeah. you know, you you'd spend all your energy standing out in, in left center field shagging right. balls for forty five right. minutes. And after that you'd go, you know, with your stiff back from standing, then you'd go jog your poles or whatever, you know, eye wash running they had you do, and then you'd come in and try to work out and you'd eat terrible food. You know, it's just <laughs> now it's it's a lot different, but yeah, a yeah. lot better food. <laughs> the food's a lot better now. Still a lot of standing around, but and, and especially if you're so a pitcher. Much time wasted. Yeah, if you're a pitcher, you if don't do anything. Pitcher, like, <laughs> if you're a pitcher like, say, Bauer, Trevor Bauer, who lives at driveline yeah. in the offseason. He's ready. I mean, he's going to spring training, and it's a it's a step back yeah. as far as what what he's doing, you know, uh, both uh, both tech, tech, technically and as far as just the, the work that's required. He's doing so much less, I would imagine, at spring training, although that dude push, that dude's a psycho and pushes himself like crazy. But, you know, typically teams are done with their workouts by noon or 1 o'clock, and, uh, you know, they start early. But, you know, they go to spring training in shape, and like you said, it's money. That, that There's no way they're going to cut it <laughs> yeah. back because they had those 30 games, money. 30, 32 games. And a lot of places, I mean, at Disney and Yankees, the Yankees down in Tampa, they're charging full regular season prices basically for spring training games where you might see, you know, two or three regulars come from the, the road team. And even the home team might have the regulars out of there by the fourth inning. So, but they're charging full season prices, you know, for, for especially for the more attractive teams, you know, at Disney, they're. They were getting twenty, twenty-five bucks for berm seats for for some games, and sixty for decent seats behind, uh, you know, in the seats behind the plate anywhere close. Shit, people uh, it's are just paying crazy it, huh? the prices. People were paying it, man. Yeah, uh, it's gonna be a little more affordable, I think, at the new place. But yeah, I mean, there's no way that they're gonna cut back because now it's such a money-making venture. Spring training, it used to be, you know, dirt cheap to go see games, but. Uh, now it's just part of the whole money making thing, man. Everything's more expensive, and they got to make get revenues wherever they can, and they are. 
Yeah, yes. Yeah, I don't. I don't see it shortening anytime soon. But from a player so, standpoint, it's completely unnecessary. Yeah, yeah. So, like you said, I I think the solution would be if you could have starting pitchers do two, three weeks of work before they came into spring training. If you could organize it, if you could have camps for your starters, or just trust your starters to do these programs that you give them. Because if they could come to spring training ready to pitch two or three innings instead of having to start from scratch, you know, and build up uh, and get stretched out, then the rest of the guys don't need six weeks. At all. Like you said, they only need three or four. Gary Sheffield used to tell me he needed 20 to 25 ABs after, yeah. you know, a couple of years in the big leagues. That was all you needed I, to get ready. I always and felt Chippewa like I needed kind of five games way. max. You know, and, yeah. in, and a lot of years you lock in and you're kind of, you know, putting up numbers in spring training. Like, why am I wasting this? You yeah, know, you don't I'm, want to, huh? I want to put these numbers up in the season. If you're feeling really well and you're ready, you know, you, you pitch in another six games and throw six shutout innings and punch out 10 or something. It's like, that was, was kind of a yeah. waste. You know, there's nowhere to go but down for the season. Um, another thing I was asking, how much does a disappointing end to a season or a postseason weigh on a player's mind during the offseason and for how long? I know that's obviously varies from player to player, but it seems like, to me, most players, especially as they become more experienced or in the big leagues longer, seems like they can shake it off and move forward a little sooner than a lot of fans can, even though it's obviously the player's livelihood and they're absolutely crushed in the immediate aftermath of a, a you know, a playoff ending loss or a regular season loss that keeps them out of the postseason. Shit, man. I mean, it can destroy you. You know, like my last yeah. uh my last few seasons when I struggled really bad, it, I almost, I mean, I never stopped working out and trying to fix it for four months straight. And that's probably what did me in more than anything was, was not letting wow. it go. Um, yeah. and I, I think another guy that's going to come in with a chip on his shoulder is Freddie. You know, if, if oh, he went, he went through something he hasn't experienced before, cause it's been all peachy since, since he got called up and, you know, he got unfairly scrutinized for struggling in the playoffs and stuff. I'm, I'm sure he didn't let that go, um, very easily, but Acuna was probably over it in three days. You know, he's playing a game yeah. and he knows he's good and he's got his whole career ahead of him. It's I right. think it's different for for every single player, sure. um, especially, you know, sure. it can kind of it can kind of balance with if you had a good season and a tough playoff loss. Um, you know, it's easier to get over that playoff loss and just right. think, you know, I'm just going to come better next year. Right. If your career's on the line, it's one thing, um, you know, it's it it's all there's so much that goes into it because um you know, it's you're balancing a career and a team aspect of it. Where yeah. you're really disappointed your your team didn't win and you didn't do well, but you also know that you know your career's progressing if you had a good year. So something like that can help you get over it, and vice versa. If you're Freddie, he's got his career locked in, and he finally had you know this chance to do something in the playoffs, and he really struggled. He was hurt. Yeah. You know, that's probably every. Thing to him you know every little bit yeah. is, is winning in the postseason and and that meant more to him than a, than a young guy trying to establish himself that figures he's got more opportunities so I figure he's probably taking that pretty hard and and I'm real excited uh -huh. to see what he does this year with a chip on his shoulder because I think it'd be cool but yeah it's just it, it varies from player to player some guys yeah <laughs> I'm sure Adam LaRoche wasn't sweating it <laughs> you know no matter what happened at <laughs> any time anything else right yeah or anything yeah. in life but it, it kind of yeah just and it's not like depends on a player's personality yeah, and it's not like Acuna or Ozzy cares any less no. than Freddie. But like you said, they're at the start of their careers. Mm -hmm. Acuna and Ozzy both they're performed early. in that division series. And they go to the, the division series in Acuna's first full season, Ozzy's second full season in the majors. And they're probably like Dan Marino early at the first, you know, I think it's a rookie or second year with the Dolphins goes to the Super Bowl. Right. He's probably thinking, we're going to come back yeah. here a bunch of times. And if you're Freddie, 
or you're Josh Donaldson, you're going, I don't, I don't know how many times yeah. I'm going to get a chance to do this. And we had, and you could see it in their eyes exactly. and their voices after that loss. They were crushed because they knew this Braves team was good enough to make a deep run. Oh, they and were. then you watch the Nationals win the World Series. It only underscores that. They knew they could have done that. Yeah, so that context is really important. And I'm, I'm sure, you, like, as you get older, a guy like JD or yeah. Freddie, you, you know the clock's ticking and your, your opportunities right. are running out. And that's why I say it with, with Ozzy and, and, and Ronnie, they're just getting their first taste of it. It probably feels pretty. That yeah. was fun. Let's do it again next year. Yeah. Because they haven't been exactly. on a team that didn't make the playoffs yet. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And they both they both played their asses off in a division. Yeah, they did. Too. So mean, there's, know, there's a lot a going into that. There, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. So I wrote in the uh, in a story that I published last night. It's on our Braves page at The Athletic right now. With so much hinging on this Donaldson situation, it would kind of be considered uh, by foolhardy by a lot of people to try to predict what's going to happen with the Braves this year. So let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> I went in depth on a lot of these predictions that I'm going to make in the, in the story. So I'll, I'll urge people to go read that because I'm just going to touch on those. But I'll, I'll touch on several of those, and I wanted to get your predictions all right. and see what you think of mine as well. But uh, first of all, let's start with Donaldson. I know a lot of people are really apprehensive. They don't know what the hell to think of this. I think, I still think, and it's, you know, I'm just kind of putting two and two together and just comments I hear. It's not going to surprise me either way, but I still <laughs> think the Braves are going to sign him. I think it's going to probably be a three-year deal with an option and have a higher AAV than these teams like the Nationals that have already reportedly made him a four-year offer. To me, that's the only reason he hasn't signed yet is because he's got to be waiting for the Braves to either up their offer to four or to raise the AAV to a rate that he's that he's comfortable with. But the other thing is all the other third basemen are off the board, so there's nothing really for Donaldson, no there's no reason, no impetus for making him to sign before he's ready to, you know? all the, it, It's now. He's got all the leverage now. There's several teams that still need a third baseman, and he's the only great one still out there, a really good one. Yeah, man, I, you know, I want to say he has to have like four years, 85 or 90 on the table right now, and he's trying to get to 100 because that'd be kind of logical, but – Shit, man! I think he's probably got a hundred on the on the that, table yeah, already. Yeah, no, he's he's trying to squeeze a little bit out, but dude, JD's yeah. a psychopath. You know, he's just a legit crazy man. I mean, he could have, yeah, he could probably in have a good way. Yeah, he could have four years, one twenty five on <laughs> the table, people. and he could be telling his yeah. agent to kiss his ass. He wants more. Yeah, uh, he, he could tell everybody. You know, or he could be telling his agent kiss his ass. He really wants to stay in Atlanta. Make them make their raise their offer. Completely unpredictable. Know. You know, I, I've never met yeah. a guy more confident than him. You know, he used to. Yeah, guys used to joke about it. How when he got drafted, he he thought he should have been the number one overall pick. And you know, you look back at the 2007 draft, and he's up there. I mean, I'm probably taking David Price, but JD's one of the best players to come out of that draft, and he knew it, even not being yeah. in the top 10 or 15. And I heard this story when I was in Oakland that every time JD had a big game, he'd walk up to Billy Bean and tell him how much more his extension was going to cost now, you know, right up to the GM's <laughs> face. And Billy Bean's awesome, man, but I'd, I'd never talk to him like that. JD would. He just yeah. he doesn't care. Yeah. You know, he had like eight months in the big leagues and said what he wanted to say. Uh, so we'll see. I mean, he's a wild card. I wouldn't be surprised if he's trying to get 150 right now. I mean, it just you just don't know yeah. what's going on with him. I'm, I'm sure, you know. He's got to have, I would think, four years, 100. But with him being who he is, man, the confidence he has, I don't know what he's holding out for or who he's listening to, but he's going to get himself yeah. a good deal regardless. 
And he bet he bet on himself this time last or November last yep. year when he took a one year twenty three million dollar deal with the Braves when he could have got a two year deal worth guaranteed more money but not nearly as high. He bet that he could reestablish his free agent value and he did. He yep. did exactly what a lot of people, including myself, did not think he could do in the season that he, he had. He believes in himself, man. So I don't. I mean, I, that's what I'm saying. I don't know yeah. what he's got on the table, but I wouldn't be surprised if he's just not happy with it and telling everybody to wait on him until he gets what he wants. You know, he could, he's got that kind of confidence to him that a lot of players don't. There was a lot of buzz in, in recent weeks uh, of Braves reported interest in trading for Nolan Arenado, the Rockies, obviously a perennial gold glover or Chris Bryant of the Cubs. And I thought Bryant of the Cubs made some sense, but from people that I talked to, uh, you know, the Braves are very tight lipped about the ship, but I think that was overstated in both cases for one, Bryant's defense scares a lot of teams or, you know, teams that are concerned that put so much emphasis on defense. And really no team puts more emphasis on defense than the Braves have since Anthopolis and his analytically driven uh, front office took over. And with their young pitchers and their ground ball pitchers, I don't think that they are going to be willing to go with the question marks that Bryant is now at third base. I mean, he's not bad but he's not good either at third base now, especially after the year you had from Donaldson. You see how important that was. So Arenado, obviously, he's terrific defensively. Oh, yeah. But his but his contract, if you think about it, Arenado has seven years and $234 million remaining on his contract. It includes a full no-trade clause, and most importantly, probably, he has an opt-out after the 2021 season. So in other words, if he has great years this year or next year or, one of the, or just next year in 2021 – he could opt out like Strasburg did and get even more because he'll still be in the peak of his career. So, And the Rockies, they aren't so motivated to trade the face of their franchise that they're going to pay down a huge portion of the remaining contract on that, uh, the money that he's owed on that contract. So I, my question would be, if you're the Braves, then it doesn't make sense to me because why, why would you give up prospects, which you're going to have to to get Arenado, plus be on the hook for most of that $245 million he's owed when you could have just made a really strong bid to sign Anthony Rendon, which they didn't. They could have made him a big offer. He signed for seven years and $245 million. Uh, Arenado's road splits are not very are not great. I mean, they're below 100 to 800 OPS. Uh, and Anthony Rendon, he's a year, a year older. That's it. And then has no opt-outs on the contract he signed. So that's just – I just – to me, it wouldn't have made much sense to not go hard after Rendon and then to trade multiple prospects to get Arenado who's a career 265 hitter with a 799 OPS on the road. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. And it's you get Donaldson for half that. So, yeah. Know, I mean, yeah, it's a gamble. He's 34, and it's a bit of a gamble. But it's not that much of a gamble when you see how, like you said, how hard a guy works and what shape he keeps himself in. And the Cavs were not an issue last year, so he showed that that's not a chronic condition. No. He, Whatever adjustments he, he made. He played – 150 some 55 maybe 150 Jeez. I have to look it up 155 but after May after the game in May where he moved to the cleanup spot he only took like one or two games off the rest of the year and that was when they forced him to but he was playing day games after night games busting his ass yeah and the cast weren't an issue so whatever adjustments he made to his workout and how he was running and all that it seemed to really take effect last year because that did just wasn't a you know even a topic after midseason yeah he played one 155. I just looked it up. Yeah. He played 155 games and they were talking about taking it easy on him. You know, they were they probably yeah. offered him more more days off than that. Um and most of those days off were early. We're in April and May, early May. Yeah, he played a lot. He's he's feeling good. I, I wouldn't I mean, you know, it's 
it's just that question of, you know, how much do you value your prospects and how much do you want to give up for right. maybe two years of Brian or I'd give up anything to have Arenado on my team, man. Just, just from a defensive standpoint, he hits that. I love, I love that idea of getting that guy, but I'm sure the Rockies aren't going to give him up for, for nothing. You know, it's, no. it, you're going to have to pay gotta a steep take on price. The contract. Yeah. And you're paying a if steep I'm put, price. If I'm, if I'm blowing out the, uh, if I'm if I'm going full bore on a prospect trade and finally pulling the trigger on multiple prospects, I'm doing it for Lindor more Ooh, than Arenado yeah. to me. Yeah, because that's a young guy. I think you could probably resign, but in the meantime, you're not going to have to pay him, you know, a ton of money like you are Arenado and make that commitment to him and and have him have an opt out and all that. You know what you're getting, and uh, yeah, that'd be the guy I'd do that for, but. If you could get JD, there's a good chance, you know, you're going to have the DH and the NL, you know, at least for the last three or four years, uh, the last, the third and fourth year, if you give them a three year deal or a four year deal, three year with an option, whatever you give them, there's a pretty good uh, chance you're going to have a DH in the NL and, and he would be perfect for that if he slows down, he's not able to play third. But people forget how well Chipper was able to play third base, even with all his injuries at the end of his career, he was still playing third and playing it, you know, well above average, you know, those, those, Coming in for that barehand play and all that, he was a brick wall at third. Yeah, and he and he made the yeah. the barehanded play like one of the. I think him and Beltre yeah. were kind of hand in hand with the best I've seen at making that play. Um, I don't think JD's falling off. I, I get the risk factor, but even if he sucks for one year of the deal, man, that he's going to be worth if he does what he did last year. He's going to be worth sixty million the first two. You know, exactly. you get the DH that softens the blow a lot. If he, if he starts to fall off physically, you look at a guy like Edwin Ercanarcion or, or, um, uh, Cruz, you know, Nelson Cruz. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of guys can hit into their forties and, and JD's yeah. going to hit either way. It's, it's just a matter of the health, which I feel like he answered those questions last year and we'll see, we'll see what they hey, do. Chipper, Chipper won a batting title at 36. I know, I know comparing him to Chipper might be seem a little unfair because he's one of the greatest players to ever play and maybe one of the greatest two or three switch hitters to ever play. Uh, you know, f- Chipper's obviously phenomenal. But as you said, Chipper didn't spend the offseason doing the stuff that JD's doing. Chipper, you know, uh, and he played till 40 despite not having the, you know, the rock hard abs and working out like a fiend, which JD does. So, you know. If, if Chipper did it, I don't know why he couldn't eat too. And Chipper had the knee, you know, start played his whole career after having ACL surgery on one knee and then had an ACL surgery on the other knee and came back after that and still was productive. Yeah. And, you know, when he won a batting title, he won a batting title, yeah, 36. He, the next year he hit 264. The year before that he hit 337. It's, he just, yeah. he was Chipper the whole time. You know, you just, you kind of just yeah. average it all out, but the guy never stopped hitting. You know, his, his swing never struggled. Never. Even his he last year, now, 287 with like 14 or 15 homers, but he only played 112 games. Yeah. Either way, that was at 40 years old, man. You're talking about JD through 38. Exactly. 30, 37, right? 37, 34. yeah. He's 34 now. Yeah. So, anyway, uh, like I said, it's not going to take uh, till spring training to get this this JD situation, the third base cleanup hitter situation, maybe third base, but not the cleanup hitter situation. They're going to have a cleanup hitter. I, I'm pretty confident of that. Either way, it's going to be a rental player and a, and a defensive step down from Donaldson if you uh, if you go out and trade for one of the uh, 
you know, uh, an outfielder or a third baseman who's only under contract for, you know, another year or so. Yeah, the only thing um, with this know. taking so long is you get to a point, I think, as a GM where you kind of just have to tell them, like, hey, man, this is our best offer. You got to take it or leave it because we got a roster and to fill to out. And, and we don't want to miss out on, you know, the other options. If they start coming off the board, it puts them in a tougher spot where they have to sign JD. So, you you know, you got to got to draw yeah. the line somewhere and just say, are we are we doing this or not? And I think that time is coming. It's it, coming. This is, yeah. Um you know, going back to the prospects, it'd be sure it should be nice if you could tr- if you sign JD to be able to have those prospects still to use to make a big move during a season. Yeah. In other words, say you give Newcomb a shot, or say Fulty struggles like he did last year in the first half, or say somebody gets hurt. It sure be nice to be able to trade a couple of prospects to get a big time starting pitcher, preferably somebody that has a year and a half left on his contract. But to be able to do that, to know you have those prospects that you could trade at midseason to get what a shot in the arm that'd be for a team, you know, to add a big bat or a big starting pitcher in the midseason, you know, if you're already in the race. It, the prospects are the golden currency now. And, yeah. you know, the way teams are running the organizations. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, at some point, though, yeah, you got to you gotta either – they got to come up and play Arch, for you Arch. or, or you got you to gotta trade them for somebody that you need. But teams aren't letting go of those guys, and the Braves are pretty stacked. So it's – you know, or it's currency that you risk uh, a lot of it, you know, some of it becoming moldy and uh, <laughs> and, and becoming useless. Yeah, yeah maybe you it's know, more like a stock it. versus a currency, I guess. But, <laughs> you know. No, it's like the currency that Pablo Escobar had when he had like uh, – Oh, yeah. He, had, he, had, <laughs> yeah. he lost like billions of dollars because he had it – he had it – Literally, he had it in in uh, buried in 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 his properties around Colombia and everything, and he didn't realize how much of it was going to rot from the <laughs> you know, it wasn't treated and everything. So yeah, he lost billions of dollars that way, rotted just rotted money. And yeah, then, you don't want to. And do then that. he supposedly spent. It's, he supposedly burned a, a close to a billion dollars to keep his family warm when they were on the run, and his and his little daughter was getting cold, and they were in a, a place with no electricity. Supposedly, he burned like <laughs> hundreds of millions of dollars in a fire one night to keep his daughter warm. <laughs> I believe it. I've, I've read so much about Pablo Escobar; it's a fascinating subject. But anyway, uh, okay, uh, Acuna. My my second bold prediction, not so bold really. Acuna flirts with forty forty again, and I have a qualifier on it. After still eleven bases last year in twelve attempts, people forget he had eleven stolen bases in a thirteen game stretch, a dizzying two week stretch in July. At that point, we were all going, "Oh, it's forty forty for sure." Yeah. At that point, he had twenty five homers and twenty four steals to one hundred and five games. On pace to 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 become the youngest. Only the fifth player ever to get 40-40 and the youngest to ever do it um, at 21, just his second season and his first full season in the majors. He ended up with 41 homers, but the Braves' offense slumped so much late in the season that his opportunities to run were kind of diminished. And also many other teams started focusing on stopping him because he was one of the few Braves that was getting on base on a regular basis uh, in September. And then finally he had the hamstring injury, which uh, forced him to miss some games in that last week. He couldn't run. That eliminated any chances yeah. he had to get those last three steals to get 40. So, as it was, became the fifth guy and the youngest to ever get 35 and 35. Uh, now, the reason I think he's still a threat to get 40-40, and as guys get older, people, everybody stops running as much. You know, just about everybody. everybody there are exceptions does. like Alfonso Soriano. But 
He's learning to get good jumps now from a, one of the best base running instructors there is, and that's Eric Young, himself a former 50 steals guy. Mm. So I think Acuna is, knows a lot more about getting jumps now. He did it on raw talent before, but he's learned a lot more in the last year. I think he's going to get 40 steals. The question to me is, will he get 40 homers because the juice ball? Will the, <laughs> will the MLB use a different ball in 2020? I think so. If they use the same ball, he's going to get his 40 homers. He's going to get 60. And even if they use a normal ball, I think he still has so much power. They still got a shot to get 40 homers. But it's that's the variable to me. What about you? Uh, yeah, he's a 35-homer guy with a – with any ball, with the yeah. dead ball there, I don't know what what kind yeah. of ball. Any any ball you want <laughs> with a soggy ball, <laughs> yeah, with a with a waterlogged softball, uh, <laughs> batting practice. Ball. I don't know, man. I can't even predict what he's gonna do. It, yeah, the guy hit opposite field home runs for fun in his first home run derby. You know, like what the hell <laughs> he did. You know how nervous one and of normal. the highlights of the year, wasn't <laughs> yeah, it? Yeah, it's just it was ridiculous to do that in your first home run derby. You just went oppo the whole time. Uh, you know how nervous you are if you're a normal human in that situation, yeah. and this, he just he doesn't yeah. have that gene, man. Which is it's yeah. probably the scariest thing about him. You know, yeah, he's not normal. You've never seen a talent like this. You said it, but you know he's got that Miguel Cabrera gene where he's just playing a game. Yeah, he, I, yeah. You know, I never played a damn game when I was out there. I was I was anxious, maybe a few times. You working your ass off? Oh man, just grinded. I was anxious, nervous, pissed off, scared, just. Just fighting myself mentally every time I took that field, yeah. man. I mean, that's that's the whole battle for for most guys out there. And you know, every time that phone that that bullpen phone rang, I had to fight a mental battle with myself first to get that confidence, and and I had to feel good about it. You know, the matchup had to be good, or you or you start fighting uh-huh. yourself. You know, it's rarely a situation where you just pick up the ball and you're like, oh, I'm gonna deal today. You know that this guy doesn't play that game. He's it's it's just it's wild that he can just go out there at 20 years old, 21 years old and do what he does and and that's kind of, you know, you see him slapping balls into seats right field for fun in the home run derby blowing bubbles, it's just acting like a child out there, right? And that's that's why he does yeah. some dumb shit sometimes because it's literally just a game to him. That's all he's doing is playing a game and that's the that's the ultimate when you have his talent, that's the ultimate gene to have and and the ultimate mindset to have is to be able to go out there and just let your ability work for you and he does it. So you know, I can't wait to see what he does this year, but I don't have the balls to predict anything because he could hit 60 homers. Yeah. You know, it's it's it, he and he's just figuring out the big leagues right now. He's just getting started. Yeah. He doesn't even know what he's doing you know, yet. You know what's crazy about it is is what you say. He's just figuring out the big leagues. He's 21, and people totally forget that when they're judging him because he's so good. He's so good already. So he'll go through a slump, the same kind of slump that Chip that uh, Freddie has, or that even Chipper had occasionally. With no okay, antidote. It was rare, it was rare <laughs> but 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 you know, but uh but he'll go. Acuna will have a slump where he's like two for twenty-seven. You know, he'll have a couple of those in a year. Every hitter has them. A lot worse. Most guys have them a lot worse. But with Acuna, it's all like, oh god, what's wrong with Acuna now? Oh man, Snitz ruined him, or Seitzer's ruined him. It's like, no, he's having a slump, and people have made adjustments, and now he'll make adjustments. But he is human, and there is not a hitter yet. Ted Williams had slumps, you know, so. But people just forget because he's so good that they forget, you know, that he is human and that he is 21 years old and still learning baseball. Yeah, and as you mature, that's the that's the entire like what you see with a guy like Freddie Freeman that keeps getting better every year. Uh, you know, as you mature, your your talent usually falls off. But he's got such a head start in the talents, you know, department, and he's up so early. Right. He could he when he's 24, 25, he might he might win a triple crown. You know. It's yeah. you kind of as you go along as a player, the slumps happen to everybody, like you said. 
but you you have your antidotes, man. You have your ways out of them. You know, yeah. like if I, if I go into a game and my sinker's flat, maybe I can fix it in a day, two days, three days. Right. The great, the, right. the great hitters, right. They, they, their swings off. They can fix it in two days, three days. Sometimes they can fix it at yeah. bat to at bat. But when you're first just getting your feet wet in the big leagues and, and you're just learning the game, you know, you don't have those yeah. antidotes where he can say, oh, I popped up three times today. I don't, he doesn't know his bad habits yet because he doesn't know his swing inside and out like that where he can say, okay, normally when you tend to pop out three, four times, you know, in a couple days, here's what you're doing with your swing, this little hitch here. What's my adjustment to to fix that and get rid of that as soon as possible? Once he figures yeah. all that little shit out and all these little tweaks right. to 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 get back on track faster, and that two for twenty right. turns into a, a two for seven, and then he goes he hits a homer in his last at bat at game two uh, of his slump, and and then just busts out of it. You know that's when you see guys just put up ridiculous numbers and do things like that, and that's why he's scary. And I can't I can't predict anything because when he starts learning that yeah. stuff. You know, it's 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 insane what he's he's capable of as young as he is. Yeah, even now when he has, you know, he'll have a two for twenty or whatever slump. If you look at his month by month, he doesn't have bad months <laughs> no. pretty much. He doesn't have them. And that's the whole <laughs> and goal. If you look at like if you look at like Bellinger's numbers, as phenomenal as he is, and he might be the best player in the National League right now. If you look at all around player, if you look at Bellinger, he had his second half numbers after his first couple of months. He had some stretches that were, you know, Acuna was better for a month at a time than, than he was, and Freddie yeah. was better. But uh, that so so Acuna is so good that he is able to avoid bad months. He might have a bad week, maybe have a bad two weeks, but then he gets on a ridiculous tear, and it's just like flips a switch. It happens overnight, and all of a sudden he's the best hitter on the a best player on the field again, which he is in most games, the best player on the most talented and best player on the field most games <laughs> in his early twenties. Against guys that have been playing in this old. league and yeah. figuring it out for you know ten years already, it's 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 wild, man. It's it's wild to be that talented yeah. and, and it's and fun to watch already. him. I tell you that it's fun to cover him. It it makes it exciting because you just never know what you're going to see from a day to on a day to day basis. And it's like probably covering Hank Aaron when he was at the prime of his career. You know, uh, you just don't know what you're going to see on a daily basis. And and uh, and it's fun to go to a ballpark and and just watch these guys at bats. It really is. We just you wonder know? what he's going to do that day. That's cool. And when you got a good team on top of that, you know, fans are spoiled in that regard. You know, sure, it, it sucks to lose in the playoffs, but man, you got to see for six months, you get to see Ronald Acuna play. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Um, okay. The other one uh, I had Freeman. Freddie Freeman, my prediction, he stays healthy now. He's got that elbow situation taken care of. The three bone spurs and, and three bone fragments, I think. It was multiple bone spurs, three bone fragments as well, all removed arthroscopically. I just think this guy, like you said, he's going to be driven. I think he's going to have his MVP season this year. I don't know if he's going to win it, but I think he's going to be the guy like Rendon was this year in there with the Bellingers and Yelich. I think he's going to be in the race for the MVP all the way to the wire this year. I agree a hundred percent, man. You've never seen Freddie play pissed off. I never have. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. Like I said earlier, I don't think he's ever felt what he felt after the playoffs last year. You know, it's been all love since right. he got called up. He never really struggled. He's hugging everybody and talking to people at first base. Yeah. He's funny and he's been raking, you know, he's never really struggled. You know, he finally struggled in the playoffs and, you know, unfairly he was scrutinized for it, but you know, it's it's interesting to see how he bounces back. He might he might win the he might win the MVP this year. I don't I don't think that's far fetched at all. He's just that kind of guy. And he was gonna hit forty last year and yeah. it, you know, it's yep. he got hurt. It's it's not like and this is the, the funniest thing about it is he struggled 
because of an injury in in my book. It's not like he just struggled. He just couldn't Absolutely. hit all of a sudden. He he was hurt. I don't think that's going mean, to change. He, He'll still have a chip on his shoulder, you know, because he still at felt, least he won't have chips in his elbow though. Yeah, yeah. Put it on the shoulder. It's a lot better there. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I remember a few years ago I was talking to uh, to B Mac about Freddie, and he said really the only criticism he he could think of. I think we we're talking about if Freddie's you know going to be a Hall of Famer or something like that, and B Mac, yeah. you know, he's he said the only thing he could think of, uh, the only knock he had for Freddie was that sometimes he gives away at bats and. What giving away an at bat means is you get, you just go up there and swing at a ball first pitch, you know, bad yeah. pitch, and just ground up to second base, and right. you don't make that pitcher work and come to you. And and he was so spot right. on, man, because I started paying attention to that. And when Freddie came up with the game online, <laughs> on the line, I mean, Jesus, man, he just he might not have gotten a hit, but right, it, he he would he fell off sixty pitches and hit a laser somewhere almost every time yeah. when the bat mattered and he locked in. Yeah. And then the second at bat, you know, he'd give away something or whatever happened. But anytime he came Get up, behind O two, yeah, yeah just pop out. Or, yeah. But man, if he comes into camp pissed off and he's got that mindset where he's just got something to prove and he's he's locked in like he locks in with the game on the line for a whole season, I mean, he might hit nine hundred in spring training. I know that's not realistic, but I, I think I believe myself I think, right now. He could do it. <laughs> I think people forget just how good a season he was having last yeah. year because of how disappointing September and especially yeah. the playoffs were. Yeah, but I sure. looked it up and listen to this. He he was hitting three hundred two with a three ninety four OBP, thirty eight homers, one hundred and fourteen ribbies, and a nine seventy nine OPS through one hundred and thirty seven games on September one. Two homers September one that gave him thirty eight. Then the elbow was just throbbing and barking. He couldn't get extended anymore. Yeah. You know, a lot of swings. He and if he swung and missed, then that really caused problems that lingered for a while because it it jammed up on him. It was, you know, it was all crunching in there, man. The fragments were moving him. You know, he'd swing and miss, and it was just killing him. So the rest of the year, he hit two thirty five with no homers and a six twenty five OPS in his last twenty one games, and still had those numbers. I mean, that's night and day, yeah. And then he skipped the trip to Kansas City in that last week in hopes of getting all that stuff calmed down in there, the inflammation around all the, the spurs and the fragments, so he'd be ready for the postseason to get through, but it didn't work. He got it calmed down, but it came right back when he started swinging again. So, And then you saw a different a guy in the postseason that just wasn't Freddie. He ran into one. He hit a home run straight center. But he was four for 20 with one RBI in that and one walk in five games. That just wasn't Freddie. He wasn't comfortable at the plate or in the field, you know? And so. I've never know, seen him to, look like to, that at the plate, ever. And to attribute it to anything other than the the, the elbow, no. I think is just wrong because that's clearly to me what it was. No, the thing is, is that's, you know, it's tough as he could have just not played and everybody would have still loved right. him and just talked about how sad it was he couldn't get out there. But the guy tries to nut oh, not up. everybody. Yeah. A lot of people would have ripped him for not playing. Exactly. You know that. Exactly. Yeah. He could, you can't win when you're, when you're that, a player of that caliber and, and, right either don't play in the playoffs or don't perform. It was just, you know, and that's that's what I mean is he just got put in a position where right. I don't think he ever saw the reaction coming. And he's never been put in a position like that where he's actually had fans mad at him and disappointed and yelling stuff at him. I don't think he's been through and, that. But a pissed off Freddie yeah. Freeman with a chip on his shoulder, man, that's a it's a scary thought as a pitcher. And, and you <laughs> and know what? in trouble. You know this. Uh, he'll win the fans back because of who he is. I mean – they're not going to be mad Freeman. at him. Even in, they're he's a great over it. player. He's a great guy. He'll win the fans back. And in the meantime, he's got so much more. I mean, he already had utmost respect of his teammates, his managers, coaches. 
But everybody and the, and the opposing team, too, all had even more respect, if that's possible, for Freddie for playing hurt like he did, sacrificing his own numbers, never using it as an excuse. Not he one could time. Have. He never said never his elbow did. was hurting. Never did. Even after, the game, <laughs> even after the series was over, he still wouldn't use it as an excuse. No. And, and, and that just – it even elevates him more in his peers' eyes, his teammates' eyes, and ultimately that's what's important because as he's going forward, he's still the captain of this team, and he's still the guy that, you know, while Ronald Acuna is the most talented guy and is going to be the best player really soon, Freddie's still the guy that is kind of the the straw that stirs the drink and all that on this team. So that was important that he go out there and play and bust his ass like he did. You know, you couldn't have had a situation like – you know how annoying it is when someone has an excuse and you and as a teammate yeah. you see them just floating yeah. it to the media like they're the only guy hurt on the oh, team. Tell it's me. the worst feeling. It's like you lose all respect for a guy as a teammate when as soon as he has a couple bad games, he points to his ankle or his or his wrist or some injury it, yes. that's just oh, this is why I'm struggling. And it it blows my mind how often that gets them off the hook. You know? Yes. It, 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 it's, explain that what fans think is they cuz I've had so many people on Twitter say we would have just appreciated if Freddie said he's hurting, and that's why. Tell to ex- explain why that's not the way you do it, and how he did went about it is important to his teammates. It's a cop out, you know. Every everybody on the team's hurt. Everybody's got something they're dealing yeah. with, and obviously, you know, in his situation, it. I always look at it as an excuse versus a reason. In his situation, right. it was a reason, right? So a he reason. he would have been safe just saying like, look. What do you want me to do? My elbow's wrecked, and and that would have been right. bad because now you're telling the other team you can't hit shit, and that that's right. that is what's going on. So they can they can you know approach you accordingly. Yep. Uh, that's a yep. big reason why you don't say it too is you, you don't want the other team knowing you're you know you're weak, but and and you and you're not at a hundred percent, or or they might pitch to you different to get you know get you out in front of Donaldson. It, it changes the whole game plan of the other team, but mainly amongst your teammates, man. You know, like the bloody sock thing with Kurt Schilling. Uh, yeah, guys that played with him don't look at it the way that it's 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 played out in the media. You know, it's yeah. half the guys say it was ketchup, <laughs> and right. that you know he milked right. this whole thing. And I don't know yeah. what the real story is, but just hearing from from former teammates and stuff, nobody really appreciated how how glorified that was when they didn't. You know, his teammates didn't think it was as bad as it was. And and Freddie's the opposite. Uh-huh. You know, when you when you tone yeah. it down and you say. No, no, it's me. I'm failing because it's it's hard to be accountable. It's hard to own those failures, and and it's so easy yeah. to cop out with an excuse. Um, and, I, and think, go think ahead. about that game five, that error he made. Yeah, throw an error. Think about if uh, uh, or, or fielding error. I'm sorry. Think about it if he would have just like held his elbow after he's that off. He's off the like, hook. Exactly. But his teammates would have looked at it and gone. What are you doing out here then? You know, and that's not what he didn't want. He didn't want to let anybody think that he is that it was in his head, that it was affecting him mentally. Right. He didn't want anybody to think, you know, that he got you know one RBI and failed in all those other situations with runners in scoring position because his elbow was affecting him mentally and physically. He didn't use it as an excuse, and and that, I just think that that's uh, that that should never be forgotten and should be appreciated when people they can be angry that he didn't come through, that other people didn't come through. But you got to put yourself in in a player's shoes, and like you said, the respect you get from your teammates for not copping out, you 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 know, using it as an excuse, 
You know, what are you telling them? Well, yeah, hey, look, I was hurting. I couldn't hit, but I'm still better than anybody that could have played. So, you know, shut up, you know? Yeah, and in hindsight, man, maybe he shouldn't have played, but he didn't know that until he went out there and tried. And I don't think right. he could have lived with himself if he didn't if he didn't play and they and they got banged right. out in the first round. There was there was exactly. no right answer for him. And it's if you had, you know, if you had Albert Pujols sitting on the bench or somebody like that and you're playing over him because of seniority or some crap. And and yeah. there is a really legit option behind you, and he knew he was going to struggle like that. But that's part of being an athlete too, is you you know almost to a fault sometimes you have this confidence that yeah. even at eighty percent you can get it done in the big leagues. So you know, he especially was just, when you run into a homer, in yeah, game one, well, you know, you hit that a was the worst thing that could happen. He hit that ball four. Yeah, it was right. like his farthest, second farthest home run of his career. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but regardless, man, it's it's something that I really respect. How he didn't try to play the media and the fans into his favor. He just he yeah. he'd made his decision how he was going to try to handle it and go through it. He didn't want to get off the hook. You know, he I felt like he was accountable in a sense that he just said, "I suck right now," which is way harder to accept. Than just copping yep. out and saying, "Oh, it's my elbow. I'm still the awesome Freddie you love." My elbow hurts though, so just you know, I'll see you in spring training. I'm sorry, I'm hurt. Um, and then a month later, when he after he'd taken a beating on social media, he could have. I know a lot of players in this day and age would have yep. posted something on Instagram, yep. <laughs> a video or a tweet, and said, "Look, I'm sorry." I couldn't perform because my elbow was throbbing. He has not done one thing like no, that. You know what I he's going to do is come out and rake. And he'll, he'll yeah. answer all those questions uh, next, in the playoffs next year, you know, whether it was his elbow or not, because he'll hit. Knowing Freddie, we'll ask him about it at spring training. No. <laughs> and he still will insist that wasn't why he sucked yeah. in, the, in, in September or the playoffs, you know? Yeah, it's just he'll not knowledge. I don't know. I think it's it's just a, it's a matter of a mentality of not wanting to be left off the hook and, and wanting to be accountable and, and own yeah. everything you do where everybody knows his elbow f- messed him up. He knows yeah. it. Everybody knows it. But why? Why does he want to say that out loud and 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 just stoop to that level? For me, you just say, "Nope, I sucked," and you just deal with the heat from it and and keep moving. And when he comes out and rakes next year, and I think it's Chipper probably did that too when he was playing. Yeah, some guys Chipper, do it. Chipper, right? Some guys, some yeah. guys have one bad start. Every time they pitch bad, it's something. Yeah. Every time they perform poorly, yeah. and it blows my mind how often that gets them off the hook for performing poorly with, with fan bases and the media and stuff, because nobody ever seems to catch on that this guy only sucks when he's hurt, but when he's good, he wants all the, all the glory, you know? <laughs> number four, my number four, I think uh, Will Smith supplants Mark Melanson as the primary closer by, I'm going to say mid-May. Uh, I know when they signed Will Smith, best available free agent closer this winter, they gave him a three million, three year, thirty nine million dollar contract, and a lot of people were surprised when Alex came right out, and then Snicker later, Brian Snicker later said the same thing. They said that the plan was still for Mark Melanson to continue as the primary closer, and I thought, well, why do you sign Will Smith to be, you know, setup guy? But in this day and age, obviously the roles have that's different. And a lot of times, you know, uh, a guy like Josh Hader can be the most important guy on your team, whether yeah. he's the closer or whether he's pitching a seventh inning. But Will Smith's not a guy that's going to pitch seventh, eighth, you know, multiple innings, you know, two and three inning stretches. That's why I think once Melanson, if, you know, he's 35, 36, once he has a bad game or two, uh, I think kind of like Snick did last year when he did not hesitate to put Melanson in the closer role when all-star closer Shane Green struggled in his first, like, three appearances with the Braves. I don't think Snick will wait that long to move – 
Will Smith into the closer role. Maybe longer than a week or two. It might take a month, month and a half, but I think Will Smith will become the primary closer for what that's worth. I don't think that it's that, that important to have that title, but I think he will. And I think you'll see Melanson and, and uh, Chris Martin and O'Day and uh, I'm leaving some one guy out. What is there? They have four. And, and Shane Green. I think you'll see those guys, you know, work in the sixth, seventh, eighth innings. Yeah, well, you know, I think last year pretty much showed you how devastating a loss in the ninth inning can be. You know, it's just how oh. far you go to get to that point where you need three more outs and the game's over. You think yeah. you got it one. And you like a ninth yeah. inning blown save hurts a lot more than a sixth or seventh. You know, you almost expect them, but they're okay because yeah. you, you got a chance to come back from them. Um, and I think you're right. You know, when they signed Will Smith, I was excited. You know, I thought he was, I saw his numbers and stuff. He looked really good. And, and you mentioned his slider to me. And I, yeah. I knew he had a good one, but I went back and, and looked at some of his highlight videos, man. His slider yeah. is legit. It's a legit out yeah. pitch. And it's it's just got so much depth to it and and, and nice tight break. You know, a, a lot of lefties get by in the big leagues. They just throw these big sloppy breaking balls and it works because they're left-handed and they're facing a ton of lefties right. and they show, they throw strikes or whatever. They weasel their way through five years in the big leagues and, and just by throwing strikes and being left-handed and having some kind of breaking ball. But there's a difference though with this guy's man. It's it's just yeah. it's so tight and it just comes in hard yeah. to the righties. It's harsh. It's late. Uh, it's got depth and it's not He's some bitch ass slurve you see a lefty specialist throwing man and putting yeah. up numbers. It's I mean it comes out like a yeah. fastball. It stays on that plane and then it darts down and in where the righties have to respect his you know mid nineties fastball and try to get the head out on the fastball. They commit and the ball's just not there. Yeah. Um. But he's and, a stud and and I think you're right. You're gonna see him in the closers role at some point this year. Um, I just think he's, he's a huge strikeout guy, and they haven't had been yeah. able to have one of those strikeout guys in a closer role. You know, uh, you know, Luke Jackson, yeah, he's a strikeout guy, but he's a different guy. He's not written. Luke will be the first wet. guy to tell you. He's not really a closer so much, and it's more of, you know, yeah, it's just a different situation. I, with Will Smith, you're talking about a strikeout guy the way that Billy Wagner, well, you got a lot sooner than that, <laughs> the ultimate strikeout guy that the Braves had. Kimbrough. You know? Yeah, Kimbrell. And then going back to Smoltz. I mean, it's a different feeling when you turn over the ninth inning to a guy fully capable of striking out all three guys or putting two guys on and then striking out the side. And with Will Smith, I think you got that. And like you said, ninth inning blown save is just torturous, man. Yeah. And I, I, I think, the- you know, you just can't afford to give up. A lot of times as a relief pitcher, you just can't afford to give up a single run, right? You know, you're up by one run yeah. or, or it's tie game. Right. Um and just yeah, so Lanson much converted all 11 of his saves. Yeah. And he had a three something ERA and had some r- really rough outings. Right. And a lot of dumb shit happens in baseball where, you know, that's why strikeouts are so valued is there's yeah. a lot of situations you get yourself into, man. You, you mess up on the first hitter or something. The only way out is a strikeout. If you give up a, do- a leadoff yeah. double, they bunt the dude to third. You can't even afford them to hit a fly ball at that point. And, and you need strikeout yeah, dominant exactly. guys that can. You know, you got to be smart too and understand how to strike guys out or walk them with an open base and whatnot. But that strikeout uh-huh. in the ninth is just—it's so clutch because it's there's just certain situations where you have to pitch to a strikeout, and if you don't have that ability, you wind up just walking guys or giving up a bomb. And his ability to strike guys out like that from both sides of the plate—you know—that's why his slider's so huge. Uh, being able to punch right-handers out because he's going to have to do that if he wants to close. Um, and I think Melanson still has that ability too, but. Melanson's yeah. stuff's not where Smith's at right now. Mark Mark's on the backside yeah. of his ride, and uh, you know he's he's not able to just bully a hitter anymore. He's got to he's got to use tact, 
And he did some really cool stuff. I mean, he had a bat against Molina in the playoffs where he set him up perfectly uh, with a high fastball that I just thought was just, you know, just such a veteran, just dominant uh-huh. mind game at bat. But, you know, as, as a closer throughout 162, you're going to get out there 60, 70 yeah. times. You're going to get in some jams where it's you're not out thinking this hitter. You just got to man up and punch him out. And, and Smith has that ability. So, I mean, that's why he's exciting to, to pick up. But I think you're right. I think at some point he winds up being the closer. Unless they use him in that hater role, and he just dominates in yeah. that role, and he's not going to pitch two and three innings. At a I don't time. think so. Him. How good do you? How good does it make a team feel too in a clubhouse when you're up four one or four two, and your closer comes in, and instead of giving up a run and a two, a run or two, and getting the save, and then in a twenty minute inning, he comes out and strikes out three guys, you know, out of four, uh, and blows them away, doesn't give up anything, and it's just boom, 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 and you're in the clubhouse. Well, you do that. Easy you win. do that game one. You know how confident you feel yeah. games two and three against against this team, and you know how deflating it is for them just to be if they get right. dominated if they, if they right. go up there and they're just just whiffing at air and and they're missing the ball by two feet on his breaking ball and stuff yeah. like that. Like some of the times when Kimbrel would come in and just blow hitters away, yeah. like they're swinging at their yeah. belt and the ball's in the dirt. They don't ever want to yeah. see this guy again in their life, and they got three four more games against him. You know. When when that type of stuff happens, it it just sends a message that they better get it done, you know, early on in the game or it's over. And and that's the same thing. If it, the deeper your bullpen is, that that message just hits harder and harder. If you got two or three yeah. guys just coming and blow them away, all of a sudden they're they're not trying to yeah. run up the. You know that used to be the saying in baseball was get to the bullpen. Yeah, and it's completely yeah. flipped because now yeah, everybody's exactly. got these guys coming out of the we bullpen. Better, we better score early. Now. Exactly. So when you can send <laughs> that message, game one or two of a series, and just and especially game one, obviously, but just blow a team away yeah. like that. Now, when your fifth starter comes out the next day, there's more pressure on them. They can't sit there and wait him out. They might chase some more, you know, two o change ups and, and garbage pitches that that he needs them to chase to get through his outing. Because they feel the pressure of not wanting to face, you know, that that nasty bullpen you got coming in behind them if, if they can just get through five. And Smith, Will Smith throws hard enough that yeah. you know, it's like you were talking about hitters. They they felt with Kimbrell when he was at his peak and throwing as hard as he ever did. They you can't you can't wait on that fastball. You got a lot of them felt like they had to load up and swing early, man, to, to have any chance. And then they made him look silly when he throw that slider, you know. This guessing Smith's game. slider looks looks the same coming out of his hand. It's really know? nasty. So, it. It's, yeah. it's had, really nasty, man. 34, 38 saves last year with Giants. He had a 2.76 ERA, 96 strikeouts, and 21 walks in 65 innings. That's the numbers. Those last numbers are really going to How many? make Braves fans and manager Brian Snicker feel really good. 96 How? strikeouts, 21 walks, and 65 innings. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Any, anything that's above. That's a nice ratio. Yeah. That's, How many is that, <laughs> is that per nine? I got to look that shit up. That's got to be oh like twelve oh, per nine. Like, yeah, he was like tw- thirteen. That's that's Kimbrel level right there. Yeah, yeah, he's his strikeout rate's really really comparable to Kimbrel's. Wow, I didn't realize he was that dominant, man. Like I keep looking at his numbers, yeah. and then you throw more stuff at me, and I get more excited about this guy. Oh yeah, he's and he's you talk about a guy that's fired up and ready, man. He's wanted a pitcher for so long. Atlanta guy, you know, is at the peak of his he career, was, not coming off his best year. He was the one that Freddie got kicked out of the game for pine tar, right? <laughs> his whole yeah. family his yeah. whole family was seeing him pitch for the first time, and, and Freddie, yeah. Freddie got him kicked out of the game for some kind of pine tar on his hand or some shit. <laughs> yep. That's him, right? Yeah, so he's got to be excited. He's he all from the slot. That was before his slider got to where it is now. 
He's a new guy now, man. Oh yeah, he was at thirteen point two strikeouts per nine. That's yep, man. Yep. That's that's Kimbrough right at the top Kimbrough of baseball. Re- so regardless of roles, the Braves pen, like you said, should be as deep as any in the NL. Uh, uh, but only if most of these thirty and o- thirty and older relievers stay healthy, including Chris Martin, uh, who re-signed for two years and fourteen million in November. I mean, they really beefed up on that bullpen. They spared no expense when it comes to the pen, you know. Best way to keep them really healthy different is just than to have that bullpens. You know, that the more guys know, they man. have that they can rely on in, in big situations yep. is, is more time that you don't like have to five use. Five guys with, yeah. with big-time closer experience. Six guys, if you count O'Day, who's not going to close at this, rep, at this point probably. But you've got like six guys who have closed, you know, for all or most of a season or multiple seasons in their careers. That helps so much. quite a few that were all-stars. That depth's so, going to yeah, pay off. Pretty, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Let's see. I had a couple more on here that oh, one one that I wanted to get to Soroka. I think he. I think Mike Soroka further solidifies his status as a true young ace. This is a guy that, as a 21 year old rookie in his first full season last year, he went 13 and four with a 268 ERA. That included seven and one with a 155 ERA on the road, which was easily the best road ERA among major all major league starters. Like half more than half a run better than DeGrom. Uh tall, calm, Canadian. You love him, I know. He didn't give up more than one earned run until June. He was 10 and 1 with a 224 ERA on July 24th. And while he had a few rough outings down the stretch, rough by his standards, by his. he finished strong. Finished strong. And then he was just extraordinary in his first and only postseason start. He went seven innings against uh, Wainwright, outpitched Wainwright in St. Louis, which almost nobody did this year. Gave up two hits, no walks, one run and set with seven strikeouts and seven innings in that game three division series win. I'm a big-time Soroka guy, and I think <sighs> the next are. great Brave starter is here, and it's Mike Soroka. You know – I'd have to nitpick hard to find anything wrong with him. And I don't know if he can really top last year. That's that's such a great season for a starter to have. Uh, I think he should have got a lot more consideration for rookie of the year with the juice balls and everything, but that's another discussion. You know, he's he's got to be – I think he's going to be in the Cy Young. The strikeouts are the only thing that hurts him as far as his hype. You know, if if this guy struck out another 60 guys last year, he's – it's. Everybody be jumping on his bandwagon harder, but he pitches and he and he and he pitches to contact and he knows what he's doing and he's mature beyond his years. He's got to back it up and whatnot, but you know I just <laughs> I can't find anything wrong with him, man. I, the only the only concern would be health, you know. Um, yeah. I you know he's had some shoulder stuff and yeah, I you know I have zero that concern was huge about him. last year. Yeah, getting over that, that was, was a, huge. That was the big getting question over mark. that because I'm one of those that I really had some questions about. Yeah. Is there something in his mechanics? Or it's a little funky. His, or his mental approach? You know, he gets a little sore. Is he a guy that's going to be afraid to pitch when he's a little sore? So there were all kinds of red flags. I thought when they had to when he had two DL stints, the last one being a season shutdown in you know June of his rookie year. I mean, there were red flags, and then he comes to camp this year. And his shoulder was sore from working out in the offseason yeah. and overdoing it when he, you know, starting in January when he was working out down in Jupiter at a at a strength place. So, again, you're going, oh, man, you got he, he just started throwing at spring training and he's already got to sit out because of the shoulder. So he just – and then he proceeded to just, you know, yeah, go completely off. quash those skeptics and doubts, the doubts about his shoulder. Yeah, the only – and that's kind of the thing, man, is it's – 
sometimes some of these workouts get a little too intense, but he's smart enough even at his age to make yeah. that adjustment. And it sounds like he did. But, uh, you know, I don't have any any concerns with him performance-wise. His stuff's going to play. No. You know, he's got a he's got a really good breaking ball. He's got an explosive sinker at 94 that he can actually locate, which is rare for a young guy. Um, he's got a decent changeup. And, and his maturity, man, his maturity is going to play. His mentality is going to play. He's ready for yeah. it. He's not overwhelmed God, at all. He's so calm, man. He's so, so calm. Mature. And, you know, guys like that, there's he's always analytical. something you have to pick at. But there's... You know, yeah. maybe it's health. Yeah. I don't know. I don't. I don't have any fear or any worries about him performance wise. Though, if he's healthy, he's putting up one, numbers. Yeah, I don't see one thing other than if you know, if you want to go and wait another year before you decide that the shoulder things in the past. Other than that, I don't see one thing you can pick apart about this guy. Nope. Literally, I mean, <laughs> nothing. Uh, and 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 he, uh, you know, going back to you know altering your workouts. I think one of the most impressive things I saw from him and. and 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 we were the only ones who saw this in spring training. He was talking to a few of us riders. After he came down, he we doubted when he said that he hurt the shoulder. It wasn't from throwing, that it was from, you know, going gung-ho in in his overall strength and conditioning uh in Jupiter once he got the clear for the shoulder. He started doing everything, you know, all this heavy, heavy stuff down there, throwing long toss and all this stuff. And he said, and he had he had gotten stronger. He had, had worked out uh the previous year, he was in like the best, the strongest condition he'd been as far as strength and muscle. And he thought, you know, that he had an imbalance. They they prescribed, they told him he had an imbalance in his shoulder, that some muscles were a little stronger than, they, than others, and that he needed to get a little more uh, flexible and less mu- mu- muscular. So this is a young guy that, you know, most guys are ego driven. They want to look, look good, good with his shirt off. Uniform. Every every guy does. Yeah, and he and he and he was bigger than he'd ever been. And when they told him that, he lost like fifteen pounds, and it was muscle, you know. And he got so much more limber. He said he felt so much better. He said, "So I'll gladly take looking looking uh, worse at the beach than feeling like I do now over you know before." So he was able to immediately recognize that and acknowledge it that he needed to you know be leaner and more flexible. And Make the that might have been the key. Yeah, yeah, might have been the key to, to to keeping his shoulder healthy. And now that he's seen what he can do, I don't see him going back to that previous state. You know, and isn't of, it crazy uh, that even with millions of dollars on the line, guys, you know, still want to yeah. look good. You know, you think, oh yeah, they still want to oh, look good. Millions of dollars on the line, I'll just look like a bag of shit at the beach. I don't care. You know, and <laughs> it's funny, man. Everybody's human. You know, you you still have yep. those urges to to take care of yourself in a certain way, but that's part of growing up and maturing and, and realizing what's at stake and what's on the line. And for him to be able to make that move at at his age, I mean, it just it keeps going back to how mature yeah. the guy is and, and logical and. You know, it's a smart decision. He just backed off the weights and didn't worry about you know trying to be a big burly yeah. guy. You know, and it, let's just let's just deal for a year. And and that kind of mindset's going to lead him to have a really strong and a, and a long career. Yeah. Instead of thinking, you know, the bigger and stronger I get, the harder I'm going to throw and more I'm going to intimidate guys. I, I got wrapped up that in that at times. At you know, it's it's yeah. you, you're always trying so desperately to improve as a player that sometimes you don't. Realize the yeah. best thing you can do is just be idle, you know, just kind of do less, do nothing for a little while and let your body yeah. recover. Uh, another thing here, I got one of my predictions. I think the Braves are going to chase the Washington Nationals. Me too. <laughs> basically all season. Um, I don't like saying it. And here's what the, 
if the Braves re-sign Donaldson, they'll have a deeper lineup than the Nationals. And the Nationals, are, they need Donaldson to plug the huge hole that was created by Rendon's departure. Rendon hit 319, by the way, 34 homers, 126 ribbies, and a 1010 OPS last year. So he's gone. That, that's why they are probably have already made a four-year offer to Donaldson. They want him bad. And that's why also the Braves need to get him, to keep him away from the Nationals the as well. That's the biggest part but of it. Nevertheless, even with Donaldson, the Braves, I think, will find it hard-pressed to build an early lead on the Nats the way they did last year. Atlanta won 11 of the last 16 games between the teams, but Washington has so much confidence derived from getting hot and rolling through the playoffs, Yes, winning the World Series. And, and most importantly, they return those formidable aces yeah. who just dominated in the postseason, led by Scherzer. Finished, he's finished in the top three in the Cy Young race four straight years, and especially Steven Strasburg, who just went leaped, leaps and bounds last year. And then he re-signs for seven years and $245 million after that career-best season and that phenomenal <laughs> postseason. Yeah. So they had third and fifth in the Cy Young last year, and both those guys are back. Yeah, Strasburg's going to be feeling good about himself when he gets to camp. Yeah. The, the whole team yeah, is. He's going to be a different guy, I think. Uh, you know, maybe you can hope for a World Series hangover if you're, if you're the Braves. You know, that, that shorter offseason, I've heard a lot of guys say, you know, really yeah. kind of catch up with you and sneak up on you, but... You maybe can't count team. on Strasburg throwing more than he ever did. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Let's hope for it. But you know, if you if you're the Braves, yeah. you can't count on that, and you can't count on them no. struggling so bad early like they did. Because on yeah. paper last year, people thought they were a World Series, you know, contender in spring training. You know that they looked that good on yeah. paper. You know, with their rotation and everything they were bringing the table, and they just struggled. But you can't bank on that again. And then if they get Donaldson, nope. man. He's yeah. gonna and, and then he's in that division. You know he's gonna take it personal. The Braves didn't offer him what the Nationals did. He's gonna have a point to prove, and I, I don't like it, man. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, you do not want to see him go to the Nationals. No, nah, you don't want to see him go. He knows the over team. There. He knows the pitchers. Knows the Braves. Um, and also that Nats Park. I mean, this is no small factor. That Nats Park is going to be a different place now. They've won a World Series. Oh, Every team wild. that wins the World Series gets a spike in attendance. And from and it's not going to take them a month or two to get people excited in, in no. uh, Washington. They're going to be coming out from day one this year and trying to just ride that momentum and get out to a big, you know, fast start, you know, with Strasburg and Corbin and and uh, and, and Scherzer and you know they're just uh, they're tough. They lose Rendon, they lose their best hitter, but they've got a lot, man. And you and Soto, you've talked about him. Soto, you know, he's their Acuna. And Robles is, I think, should have won a Gold Glove last year in center field. He's a, uh, they got a lot of talent on that team. Trey Turner, yeah, Soto's not so slowing down. So I think down. the Braves, <laughs> he's, yeah, I he's think the Braves level. are going to chase them. But I think the Braves are going to chase them and stay there all year, right behind them. I think the Phillies are going to be in that race too. I think it's going to be a three-team race this year in the, in the NL East. I think the Braves are going to be dragged into a wild card slot. I do too, and it's going to pay off. I hope because not. this is this is what I think is going to happen. I think they're going to go into the postseason with momentum this year. They're not going to have to flip a switch. Get you know they're going to go in with the momentum, and I think they're going to finally get that monkey off their back and win a postseason series. I think they'll win a wild card game, and then I think they're going to win a first round postseason series. I just have the feeling. I think Freddie, like you said, is going to be driven. I think Acuna, you know, he performed in his first post his first two postseasons. He had a grand yeah, slam in his first one. You don't have to worry about him. You don't have to worry about Ozzy. 
I just think this team has it. I think uh, Soroka now, they know Soroka, what he can do in his big game. He won't be pitching one time in a five-game series, I can guarantee you that. And I think Hamels. I think Hamels is itching to get back to the postseason, and I think he's got a good run left in him. I really like this team's chances. If they can just stay close – Get, let the Nats drag them into the wild card. I think they can. It'll be fine once they get to the postseason. I think they can win a series. Yeah, and I'm not saying they they're not going to win the division or can't. I just said they, they got they got a right. dog fight ahead of them. It's not going to be like last year. Absolutely. You know, with with the Nationals having that confidence, they they got their hands full, and and you know they know that they they know obviously everybody knows how good the Nationals are last year after watching them roll through the you know win the World Series and whatnot. But yeah, you got to be banking on a dog fight if you're the Braves. Um, I, th- I like the idea though that even if even if they had to play in that wild card and, and won that thing, you know, wild card teams win the World Series just like last year. Yep. You know, the, yep. the Giants had done it. The it, it's Marlins just, did it twice. The Royals got there a few times. I think they won it as one or they won the division. It just it's happens. Happened. Man. It's happened. It's not a it's big deal. A it's just that that damn game is is yeah. Take years off your life. It's so stressful. But that one game playing is tough. But I think that I think it's just going to be a dogfight, and they got to, you know, they're going to have to come in ready to battle. Don't next discount year. the Phillies, man. I am discounting the Phillies. <laughs> they got a real manager now, dude. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, I'm more worried about the Nationals. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, Phillies are good too. You can't but... count on Kapler to fuck it up now, man. <laughs> <laughs> He's out in uh, San Francisco. Yep. Yep. But anyway, I think it's. Uh, it's gonna be exciting, man. But you don't you don't want to see Donaldson go to the uh, to the Nats. Oof, I don't know how much that changes things, but you just do not want to see. I don't that. want to see it happen. Yeah, uh, another one. Last one to wrap the, wrap up this. I think Enciarte is gonna be traded this summer, and I think Pache arrives uh, and takes over in center. Now that could be Drew Waters too. If Drew Waters gets off to a lot better start than Pache, but I know Pache is the guy that everybody in the organization has been caught talking for two or three years. Saying he is all was already even when, even when Enciarte was a three time Gold Glove winner, there were people in the organization who insist Pache is the better defensive center fielder, no and I saw him enough in spring training to believe it. He is phenomenal defensively, and he's come leaps and bounds offensively. He and Drew Waters both struggled a little bit after the promotion at the in September to Triple A. But they both were really good in Double A last year, and they're only twenty years old last year in Triple A. I think if Enciarte can restore some of his trade value, he's still got a very team-friendly deal if he plays well at all for two more years plus an option. And I think he could have some trade value. And the Braves, if Pache you know, develops as they think he will, uh, they'll be ready to plug him or Waters into that center field slot by by summer, uh, by the trade deadline at the latest. Um, so, you know. Well, you think they give Ender up even if he's not hitting? You know, you think they'd trade low on him just to I get think Pache they would. in there? The, I think well, if he's not hitting, he's don't have a whole lot of trade value. That's what I mean. I they have Pache, to sell low, yeah. and he always struggles I think early. Pache, yeah, I think they would at that point. You know, you know, you only got him at that point for another for a year plus an option. Um, he only played sixty five games last year, man. Ender yeah. did zero point six WAR, career worst season. Um, you know, you can't win Gold Gloves if you're on the training table, and, right? You know those those hamstring and the quad injury when he came back from the hamstring injury, the quad injury the last week of the season kept him out of the the postseason. So uh, if Pache, you know, hits like crazy in AAA or just hits well in AAA, I think his defense is enough that they could plug him in there and and, it was hell, and know that he's going to stay healthy and play every day. Um, 
I, I just think that they could get something for Ender if he can restore some trade value by July. There's always teams looking for it's tough with good him, defensive man, if he's hitting, How can you give him up with his defense? You know, that's why that's why everybody's so excited about him in the first place. But I guess if you got a prospect that's that's ready, you know, you got to. Yeah. yeah. Well, if he's hitting like he did, you know, a couple of years ago when he you <laughs> know to hit three hundred, yeah. you know, when he was a good leadoff guy, you know, maybe that's different. But you know, in Ronald Acuna, you've got your leadoff guys. That's so, true. You know. He's going to be hitting down in the order. It's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. It really is. Ender really has thrown a kind of a wrench in those plans with with the year that he had last year. Any any thought of, of using him as a trade piece in the offseason is out the door. But at the same time, you can't count on him to stay healthy and, and hit again like he did a couple of years ago. So, Yep. Season's always it's nice full to have of those a lot two of nice prospects surprises. coming up. <laughs> it's, it's nice to have those two coming up, Drew Waters and Pache. Pache. Oh, yeah, just pick which and, one you want. Yeah, you know, and people have talked for years about them, you know, with Acuna having those three, that three threesome being, you know, the best defensive outfield in the National League potentially. But I think there's also a pretty decent chance that one of them could get traded, Waters or Pache. So we'll see, you know. A lot of people think Waters has the higher upside offensively, but Pache is the best bet because defensively he's going to win gold gloves. And he's already done, you know, he's already uh, shown he's got like 15 homer power you know, at least. So, yeah, just a lot we'll of see. options. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be interesting. Um, final thing, I think uh, I think Anthopolis, I think Alex finally pulls the trigger and trades some top prospects this year. I think he trades for a frontline starter in July. I think they're going to go with your guy, Newcomb, give him a shot, and we'll see how it plays out. But I think either due to injuries or underperformance by somebody or more than one person at the rotation, they're going to need a frontline starter to stay to hang with the Nats and come, you know, summer. So maybe even before the dead trade deadline, I think he's going to trade multiple top prospects for a frontline starter with either, you know, it's going to have to be a guy that doesn't have just two months left. Maybe has a year and two months. Maybe has a year left on his contract beyond next season. Well, you got to do something with the prospects. At some, am I the only? Yeah. Am I the only or guy on the Newcomb bandwagon? No, you're not the only guy at all. <laughs> I, you're not. I've heard a lot of guys okay. who think you know you're the one, and you know a lot more than we do about it. You know with his stuff. So and what he what he's show, you know his, potential, uh, his fastball just it explodes out of his yeah. hand, man. He's for me. He's he's just he's got John Lester potential. You know, it's I know I've said it a million hey, he, times, but it's got to happen. Yeah. You know, I think I think really you know what I think is going to be a big change for him is is the experience and success he had out of the bullpen, just knowing that he belongs in the big yeah. leagues and he can pitch up here. Um, and another guy's gonna be pitching with show, pitch big time uh, boulder on the shoulder. Fulty. He knows Fulty this is his too. second chance and probably his last chance at a starting spot with his team, maybe. Oh yeah. This is his last shot to to really prove it yeah. or this, you get shoved in the bullpen or trade it off to a rebuilding team or something and go try to prove it there. But you wanna be here and I don't know, man, it's it's gonna be hard There's to get Braves fans to say it was worth trading him for Andrelton, but yeah, oh, I know. Know. <laughs> oh absolutely. Newcastle no, potential, man. It was man. not. It was not. No, it might be. You know, you never know. He's if he comes out and turns <laughs> into John <laughs> Lester. Uh, no, it, no, still wasn't worth it in my book. <laughs> From an entertainment hey, but, standpoint, it's it's tough to match. But there are questions. Let's not let's not Pollyanna this. There are questions about this rotation because yeah. it could be really good. I agree. Or it could be pretty bad too because I think the only guy there's no questions about is Soroka. I think if Hamill's the only question is is age obviously because he's gonna he's gonna fall apart at some point. He's getting up there, but he's also a guy that keeps himself in shape and he's not a, just a pure power guy. He's a guy that pitches. So I like him. He's a, he's the guy I think with a 
if there was a two, if there were two guys without any questions, I think those are it. But after yeah. that, you're talking about Fulte spent more than a month in AAA last year. He was so bad. You're talking about Nuke, a guy who lost his starting rotation spot despite nearly pitching a perfect game against the Dodgers. And you're talking about, you know, I mean, with Max Freed, we've seen him at his best and his worst. He's got the blister issues he's had in the past, and he can he can be dominant. I think he can be a frontline starting pitcher for a long time. But also, he's still developing. He's a guy who hasn't pitched close to 200 innings yet. So that's not a, a, a certainty either. So there yeah. are questions there, and I think – he trades prospects either for a frontline starter or if all goes well with the rotation, he trades for a big bat down the stretch. Yeah. Well, either way, I, I think he trades big prospects. I, I think summer. you're right. There's a there's plenty of questions to be asked about the rotation and then plenty that the guys have to prove, you know, health wise or performance wise. And that's just why you sign J D and keep your prospects for that, you know, to let the yeah. rotation play out. Because you you got time to to see how that plays out. But I don't know if there's right. gonna be a third base battle available without giving up everything and you know mid-season you're not getting and i think that's why he went out and built up that bullpen like he did yeah yeah a lot cheaper than going out and trying to build the rotation up yep because you shorten those games to five innings you know you're not going to have to have freed go six innings or you know takes pressure uh, off those guys six innings if fulty starts uh, having command issues in the fifth hey you got the bullpen now that can handle it without without leaving you strapped the following day when your your best guys won't be available Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, it just it takes a lot yeah, of pressure so off those guys now. knowing, you know, who's behind them and whatnot too. So they're in yeah, good shape. Bring, just one or two more moves to make. If you could bring in Luke Jackson in the fifth or sixth inning and then, you know, have Shane Green and Melanson and Will Smith and O'Day, you know, Nasty that's pan. pretty damn solid. It's really yeah. good. It might be the best in yeah. the league. I think if it's healthy, it will be. Yeah. If they can stay healthy. So anyway. All right, you got anything else? You got any other bold predictions you'd like to make about this season? I think Dansby's going to finally put his year together. He's just he's been so close so many times. Yeah, I think yeah. he will. I think you know I, I love the player he is. I love who he is mentally. I liked who showed up in the playoffs. The I'd like to see guy. it too, man. But you know, he's I, a good guy to pull for. He is. Yeah, you know, I love his. I love his mentality. But he's got he's got to live up to being the first overall pick. That's a lot of pressure. But right, he's got the so confidence. So far, he to hasn't. It. But he's he's shown the flashes of it. He's for got sure. the confidence too. So it'd be it'd be interesting to see how he does this year. But I think he's finally going to put together a big year. Yeah, my last thing was I think we're going to have familiar faces. I wrote this one on the bench. I think you know with Culberson back on that minor league deal, I think he'll win a spot in spring training. Uh, and it won't surprise me at all if they re-sign both Joyce and and uh, Adani Echevarria. That won't mm. surprise me if they re-sign both of those guys. Give them a shot at and least. And that's a good bench. Yeah. It's a good bench if you do it. I'm glad they re-signed Charlie to a minor league deal. I really do. I, I, I he, he brings a lot to the team, and, and I think it was important if you could bring him back to do it. Yeah, he's a – we'll just – I hope he makes that team. I he, I think he's got like a 96% chance as long as he shows up and he's yeah. himself. I just think that they made that move just for roster, you know, flexibility. Yeah. And it's, it's harder to get yeah. that guaranteed contract, those one-year deals when you, you know, you start creeping up in age and you're a veteran and whatnot. Yeah. But, no you doubt. know, that he's the favorite and, and they hope he makes that team. You know, they want him to make that team. It's, it's not going to be hard for him if he shows up and plays well. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us. Uh, man, it ended up being plenty to talk about for an off-season edition here. Yeah. And Happy New Year to everybody. And we'll talk to you in 2020. And hopefully we'll have something to talk about. Maybe something big to talk about a week from today. Happy New Year. Um, happy New Year. And we'll talk to you later, Eric.
All right. And take it easy out there on the West Coast. Yep. Don't party with each time zone. <laughs> Why not? We got nothing else to <laughs> well, do. Go ahead. All right. Because your house is flooded, man. Yeah, go ahead and do it. Even more reason right. to, to get a little sauced up tonight. All right. 755 is real, and we are out. All See right. ya.